Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Thank you again for joining us today. We're in a series called The Summer of Stronger. We believe that God wants to strengthen us during this time when it feels like everything could weaken us, that we're going to emerge from this season at some point. The question will be, what condition will we be in when we do? We believe that God wants us to emerge from this stronger, and we're talking about spiritual authority part two. I started this last week, and um, we talked about this idea of spiritual authority. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that, but before I do, if you're new with us, or if you're just kind of kicking the tires about faith, if you're just exploring this church thing or this Jesus thing, I just want to say I'm really, really glad that you are joining us. Like It's an honor to have you um, kind of tune in and listen and watch with us. And what I'm talking about today is a, a privilege, right, responsibility that's been given to all those who believe in Jesus Christ. And so I hope that this is instructive for you as you consider faith in Jesus. Um, this idea of spiritual authority, just to recap what we talked about last week, is that spiritual authority is the empowerment of Christ within every believer to do the work of Christ, right? The empowerment of Christ within every believer to do the work of Christ. We talked about uh, the, the idea that this is based on the cross of Jesus Christ, that this spiritual authority is based on his cross and not on our performance, and we said that we are to use our spiritual authority boldly, humbly, and lovingly. Uh, this week, I got to go on a horseback riding lesson with my son, Will, part of his birthday present, and I got a lesson in authority on this horseback riding lesson. The uh, instructor who was teaching us about the horses and even like how to approach the horse. I didn't know there's a certain way that you're supposed to walk up to a horse, but how to approach the horse, how to prepare the horse for the saddle, how to put, how to put the saddle on, and then how to ride the horse. I mean, she's taking us through the whole thing. And as she's teaching us each element, she's warning us. She's telling us, look, if you don't do this the way I'm showing you, you could get stepped on, you could get stomped, you could get uh, n tossed off this horse, you could get um, kicked, you could get drug under trees. Like she's warning us, look, I, I want you to pay attention to what I'm telling you. Like this is important. And she wanted me to understand how I was to use the authority that he was, she was showing me over this horse. She told us this horse has a mind of its own. You're going to have to tell it where to go and when to go and when to stop. She's talking about authority. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible or a device that you like to read the Bible on, if you want to begin to turn there. And I just want to tell you why I think 
it's so important for us to understand the, sp- the spiritual authority that Christ has given to us. I, I want to tell you why you need it, why you need the spiritual authority that Christ has given you. The first reason is that there's a battle at hand. There's a battle at hand. Uh, this Bible, from start to finish, if you were to look at Genesis all the way to Revelation, you're going to see that throughout the scriptures, it depicts that there is a spiritual battle happening on planet earth, that there's this one called Satan, that there's this uh, realm in the spirit where there's powers, authorities, rulers of darkness, this hierarchy of demonic spirits that are at work on planet earth. And I know for some of us that have a very scientific, uh, maybe a skeptical mind, we kind of like, "Ah, I don't know about all that. I remember in college, I went on a retreat and uh, we were, you know, in the service. It was kind of towards the end of the service. I was standing next to a good friend of mine, and he was a bright, talented young man who served in the ministry with me, with us. And at the end of this retreat, the pastors were kind of going around and they were praying over all the people who had participated in the retreat. And so I'm standing there next to my friend and a pastor comes up and begins to pray over him. And as he was praying over him, my bright, talented, wonderful friend began to do some odd things. Um, his, his hands kind of started to do this sort of weird kind of motion. And he began to say these really, really hateful things to the pastor, things that I'd never heard my friends say before, really hateful things. Now, the pastor wisely discerned that there was something spiritual going on, that this was a demonic spirit. And as the pastor began to pray and and pray specifically for this demonic spirit to leave my friend in the name of Jesus, and within a few moments, my friend's countenance totally changed from the anger, kind of tense thing that he was doing to this absolute peace. Like you could just see a, a physical change on his body. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw that, it freaked me out. But it also showed me that this is real, that there's really a spiritual battle at hand. There's a battle at hand, that there there is an evil one, and the Bible tells us that he comes to steal and to kill and destroy, that he's set to, to bring destruction to human lives, and that God has actually come to give us life abundantly, to bring freedom and liberty and redemption and healing and wholeness. And there's a clashing of these kingdoms, a battle at hand. Peter, the apostle, uh, he once wrote this. He said, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. There is a battle at hand. The second reason why I think we need to understand the spiritual authority, why we need the spiritual authority that Christ has given to us is that there are precious things to protect. There are precious things to protect. Friend, 
your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit is precious. The scriptures say that you were created, fashioned by God, that you're made in his image, that God loves you, that God's put eternity in your heart. I mean, you are precious. In Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life or some translations say that out of it flow all the issues of life. That you're precious. And the scripture tells us that we need to guard ourselves. We also, in my family, one of the things that we do, Casey and I, is we pray over our children every night. Now, one of the reasons why we do that is that's part of the way that we disciple them as their uh, parents and spiritual leaders is that we are training them as so we train them to pray. But the other reason why we do that is because we've noticed that our kids at night become more fearful, more anxious, more worried about things. And we know that there is a real battle at, um, at, at hand. And so we want to protect these precious ones. So we pray over them at night, right? We have precious things to protect. And thirdly, that there is a mission to accomplish. There's a mission to accomplish. We need the spiritual authority because there is a mission that God's given to us. I said this last week, but many of us became Christians because we didn't want to go to hell and we died, right? We wanted to go to heaven. We knew that we were, you know, mistaken, that we were broken, sinful people that had uh, an imperfect record before God, to say the least, right? We were... Um, we, we were lost and we knew that we, we wanted to go to heaven when we died. But, you know, in that we, we had to remember that God has something that he wants to do with our lives between now and then Jesus commissioned his disciples and that commission now comes uh, down to us over the uh, 2000 years. It's still with us that we're to go and make disciples of all Nations, We have a mission to accomplish, but this evil one, this adversary resists this mission. And so we need the spiritual authority that Christ has given to us. So Acts chapter 16, why don't you read this with me right now? I'm going to be starting in verse 16. We're going to go all the way to 34. Just hang with me. This is one kind of continuous string of events, and I think it's really helpful to us to illustrate some things about spiritual authority. So let's read this together. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. By the way, this is Paul and Silas and probably a couple other companions are traveling with them at this time. It says that she made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and as she and and us, she cried out, "These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are servants of the most high God." She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. 
bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. Ouch. Verse 23, after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, check this out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. This is the word of the Lord. So this portion of scripture, this kind of um, exploit of Paul and Silas, they're in Macedonia, and we see this kind of chain of events. And what I like about this passage is that it actually illustrates some things for us and the tools, the specific ways that God has equipped us with spiritual authority, the the ways that he's equipped us. And that's what I want us to look at in these passages. So I just want to kind of point out some of the things that we see here. The first tool that we see that God has equipped us with is truth. It's, It's scripture. It's the word of God. It's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the truth about Jesus. And, and here we see these disciples, these, this Paul and Silas and these companions are going and they are proclaiming the gospel. They're there on mission. They're missionaries. And we see that this throughout the, 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 the scriptures, that the scripture is powerful, that God has equipped us with power in his word, in truth. Um, we read the story of Jesus being tempted by Satan in the, in the wilderness. And it says that every time that Satan tempted, Jesus would respond with scripture. You see, God has equipped you and I with this word. And this word has authority. It has power. And God has given it to us to actually be able to use it. That we need to become people who are uh, people of the word, people who read the word, people who, who take the word into our hearts. We memorize it. We meditate on it. We think about it. We, we let it ruminate in us because we need it. Right? There's times when we are faced with things in life and we need the word. We need the authority, the power 
of the word. And this is a tool that God has given you. He's equipped you with truth, with his word. We also see here that in this story that they are verbally rebuking or resisting this demonic spirit. Verbally rebuking or resisting this demonic spirit. We see this with this girl, this girl who has a spirit by which she tells the future, which by the way, that tells us something about this um, evil one, right? That there are these counterfeit signs and wonders and these false religions that are dark, right? We see this in the occult practices of, of psychic readings and new age in Reiki healing and all the Wicca and witchcraft and things that um, are honestly quite common in our area. And yet these things are dark. These are being tools or being used by the evil one. And here the evil one is using this young girl as a fortune teller. And she has these owners who are making a fortune off of her fortune telling. And we see that there comes a moment where Paul has to verbally rebuke the spirit. We saw that in verse 18. He's, it says that she did this for many days and Paul was greatly annoyed. I mean, can you imagine this girl uh, walking behind you as you're going out to pray, or you're going out to share the gospel or, or to minister and she's just yelling behind you the entire time, right? These, uh, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are servants of the most high God. I mean, it, it, it's not like a, a hateful thing she's yelling, but it's just annoying, and Paul recognizes like something's wrong here. Like this is not like her giving us glad tidings. Like there is evil behind this. And so Paul says, turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. You see, there is a time where we need to use the authority that Jesus has given us to verbally rebuke or resist a demonic spirit. Now, I think this passage gives us great balance as we talk about that because um, there's a key phrase that we see in verse 18 where it says, she did this for many days. And what that shows us is that Paul didn't come into an area and immediately say, where are the demons? I'm going to go after them. I'm going to rebuke them. I'm going to get rid of those guys. Right? No, that's not what Paul does here. Paul goes about his business, praying, preaching the gospel, ministering, proclaiming the truth. And then this spirit begins to um, manifest in this girl in this way where she's yelling. And it goes on for many days. You see, there can be one ditch that we fall into where we think that everything is always a demonic spirit that needs to be rebuked right away. And that's not what we see in Paul here. This went on for many days. But then this also keeps us from the other side of the spectrum that would say that nothing is ever a demonic spirit that ever needs to be rebuked and that everything can be explained by either hormones or a diet or lack of sleep or medication or some other thing, but it's never ever a demonic spirit, which we see here in this passage that it was and it needed to be rebuked. 
friends. We have to walk in the balance of knowing that not everything is a spirit, that we don't have to go into every situation rebuking things, but we need to be aware because there are moments when we absolutely do need to verbally resist and rebuke demonic spirits. The third thing that we see, the third tool that I see in this passage is prayer and worship. As Paul and Silas are beaten and put in prison, it says that about midnight that they begin to pray and they were singing hymns to God. And I just think this is a beautiful moment in this passage as we see these two um, believers, these two uh, disciples of Jesus that in the dark moment, they resort to prayer in worship, a spiritual tool, a way that God's given us spiritual authority. You know, Jesus commanded us to pray in his model prayer. He said, look, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray this, pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray down the, the rule and reign of heaven into the earthly realities that we face. And he's inviting us into this work with him to say, look, things on earth are not as they should be, right? The kingdom of God is here. I've brought it. It, it is now in force, but it's a not yet. It's like it hasn't fully come yet with the return of Jesus. And it will at some day. Jesus will return and that kingdom will be complete. And there will be no sorrow and no pain and no evil. But until that day, we are uh, actively co-laboring with God in prayer to say, Lord, bring your heavenly realities down into our earthly experiences, our earthly realm. We're, we're to use prayer as a, as a tool of our spiritual authority. There's a story in Mark chapter nine where the disciples are praying over a boy who has a spirit that seizes him and he begins to foam at the mouth and he, he's mute, he can't speak and they can't, um, they can't deliver the child. The father brings the boy to Jesus. It's like, hey, your disciples tried and they couldn't do it. And Jesus, of course, is able to cast it out. And the disciples asked him later, like, why, Rabbi? Why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind comes out only by prayer. He was giving them a, a teaching, a training to know that prayer is a tool of spiritual authority. We also see worship here. They're singing hymns to God. One of our spiritual acts of worship that we engage in here as believers in Christ. And there's something powerful about worship. Here in Texas, we have these uh, glorious, amazing thunderstorms that roll in, especially in the summertime. And whenever that, 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 that rain comes in the heat of the summer and it begins to cool everything down and you go outside and you get that, that beautiful smell and it's like all the allergens and whatever is in the air gets washed out. And for just a moment, it's like the, the air is cleansed. You know, worship is like that. When we begin to engage in the spiritual act of worship, it's like, it's like cleaning the air, right? It, it's, a, it's a tool of spiritual authority. And here we see in this passage as they're praying and singing, 
God responds, right? The, the prison shakes. And not only do Paul and Silas's um, chains fall off and their prison door open, but like all the prisoners go free. And not only that, the jailer and his whole household are saved and baptized because of these disciples taking the tools that God had given them in engaging in the moment in prayer, in worship. Lastly, obedience. Obedience. You see, when you look at the whole of the New Testament and you see the emphasis, it's not on uh, cast a demon out of everybody you see. That's not the emphasis of the New Testament. There are moments where it's necessary, but what you see throughout the New Testament is actually a call for believers like you and me to live surrendered, obedient lives. Did you know that your obedience is actually a spiritual tool of spiritual authority. It's a weapon that God has given you to live a surrendered life of obedience in response to the the saving, wonderful, good work of Jesus in us to, to say to him, Lord, I'm choosing to walk in your ways now that you've changed my life by the power of your spirit. Obedience. The famous passage of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the, the um, armor of God. And in that, he, he details one piece called the breastplate of righteousness. That word righteousness is to live rightly. And what he's saying is, look, when we, when we begin to um, step in obedience, if we're walking with Jesus in obedience, surrendered to him, it's like body armor. It's a tool. It's a weapon of spiritual authority that God has equipped us with. You know, as we were um, on that horseback riding lesson, we were walking around the track. Like she kind of got us on the horse and she began to lead us around the track. And at first she um, had the kind of the bit of the horse in her hand. She was walking beside, just kind of leading. But there was a moment where she let go. And then she's just walking beside me as I'm riding the horse. And she's just kind of telling me, okay, keep him on the track. Okay, give him a little nudge so that he will actually walk. He's walking very slowly. Okay, now we're going to turn him to the left. Okay, now use your reins. Okay, turn him. Okay, good. You know, she's walking beside me and she's showing me how to use the authority that I was entrusted with, with those reins. You see, the goal of that horseback riding lesson was not that the instructor would get on the horse and ride it for me and show me how to do it. The goal of the lesson was that I would ride the horse. And when we look at the Christian life, we need to understand that God has actually put some things in our hands. He's given us tools and equipping, right? He's given us truth, his word, the authority of his word, He's given us this, um, this picture, this understanding that we can verbally resist or rebuke demonic spirits when we need to. He's given us this tool of prayer and worship. 
and he's given us the tool of obedience. He's equipped us and he walks beside us and he's just showing us how to use them. Keep it on track now. Let's steer this to the left. It's time to go. It's time to stop. The Spirit of God is with you. If you're a believer in Christ, he dwells within you. He walks beside you. Your God is with you. And he's empowered you. He's given you authority. And he wants to show you how to use it. You know, some of you, you believe in the power of Jesus' name, right? Verse 18, when, when Paul tells that spirit, he, he commands it in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And then that verse says, it came out right away, like the authority of Jesus' name. And you read that and you're like, I believe that. I believe in the authority of Jesus' name but you don't believe in the authority of Jesus' name coming out of your lips. I just want you to understand me. You know, that sounds like humility, and I get it. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. It sounds like humility, but in reality, it's making it all about you. And friends, our spiritual authority was never about us, but it was always about the cross of Jesus, what he's done on our behalf. This good, gracious, healing, restoring, redeeming, wonderful work of God that he's done on our behalf through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus, so that he could put us on the horse and teach us how to use the reins and so that we could be about his work to join him in the great work that he has for us. Oh, friends, there's a battle at hand. There are precious things to protect. We have a mission to accomplish, walk in the spiritual authority that Christ has purchased for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.